No, what? Quote by Jimmy Johnson: Does penis enlargement work? What? <laughs> I think I think Joe is corrupted now. Initiating victory bot driver. And welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer. I'm Brett Fortin with Joe Shell, Colin Lerner, and Kevin O'Keefe. We're here this week to talk about Duke football, because let's be honest, we've talked a lot about Syracuse football, so why not talk about Duke instead? Something worse. Something worse. Something worse. So I personally, I know that many people think that this is going to be a automatic W, and I am in that camp too. Um, I don't know if you saw our opening as actually two-point underdogs which I think is uh, incredible. Um, I think this is one of those sneaky, sneaky games that we could possibly lose. Um, looking at the uh, previews, I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen Duke play this year. But they have a quarterback who, while he's just getting his first playing time, he's been you know, in the system for a while. Um, and it seems like their strongest uh, part of their team is their uh, defensive lineman and their rush, which conversely, is the worst part of our team. So I think if they have two strong outside rushers who are putting pressure on Tommy, this uh, this one could be scary. I don't want to directly contradict you, but... Please, please do. I think their quarterback's a transfer. This is his first year in a system. Yeah, but he's at least like a junior or senior. Yeah, right? but I mean, he was he's the same guy who led that comeback against us in the Clemson game. No, oh, yeah, no, I know that. Well, Aitman totally. is the guy who led the comeback and doubles yeah. Quinney. This guy just held the ball for those... Guys, he made that one. He made that one pass, though. He I did. It's, I, I hate. I hate talking about that game. <laughs> it always comes up too. It always comes so up. Excited. That's yeah. the last time I thought that Syracuse was going to beat a top ten team. Yeah. yeah. All right, I, Joe. I, fine. I will I, give that one to you. I, I, will. I mean, I know he's not Trevor Lawrence, but he's been doing pretty well lately. But yeah, Duke's offense is bad. They're real bad. I'm gonna be sad if we lose. Duke played Virginia Tech recently. And due to COVID, Virginia Tech had roughly 20 scholarship players, and they still won. So that should be pretty embarrassing for Duke. And I, I agree. I think Victor Dimokiji, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but him and Chris Rump for what we're going to be afraid of. Uh, even if we play well and win this game, I think Tommy's going to get hit a lot, and he's not going to have a ton of time. So hopefully he handles that better than he has because that could be one reason why we see this game go further south than we were hoping for. Yeah. Listen, Joe, prior to um, getting to uh, Brent and Kevin, I want to say two things to you. One, thank you uh, for saying uh, that gentleman's name, because I saw it, and I was like, I don't want to butcher this, so I'm just going to go with the outside, the alignment. And I will uh, amend what I previously said, from him being in the system for a while to him being a veteran quarterback. That was Fair what enough. I was getting at. Wow. Fair enough. Yeah. So I think that the game is basically going to be decided by our defensive line and their play. Obviously, pressuring quarterbacks one thing, but it's going to be stopping their run game as well. I think we'll put up some points. Uh, I'm always hesitant to be too confident in that because everyone knows my skepticism of our quarterback situation. But I I was encouraged by what I saw last game. If we get the ground game going you know, hopefully that will take some pressure off Tommy, but I think the defensive line is going to set the tone. If we can shut down their offense, then it will take the pressure off our offense and our offense operates much better without any pressure, you know, and you know, we can, we can afford to rely on our defense and our defense has been dominant at times this season. 
What I was going to ask, because I found it a little bit curious, and I, I don't know if this means anything, but they have Sean Tucker listed as the number two running back. I was, I was going to mention that. Say like, you know, we're not going to promote you to the top guy uh, kind of thing just because you had one breakout game, or you think they actually do still see Jawar Jordan being the, the starting guy and then, and then Sean Tucker getting five to ten carries a game? I, I think you'll see Jawar Jordan probably start the game and be the guy in the backfield on the first play on offense, but I still expect to see Sean Tucker be the guy. Dino's weird with his depth charts like that, where, yeah, he won't necessarily put the guy who's going to play the most in the top spot. I think just the fact that he went from not being on the depth chart to being the number two on the depth chart is significant enough. I think you'll see him be the bolt guy. His depth charts tend to not always mean a whole lot of face value as far as who's ordered where. As long as you're on the two deep, you're going to play. I'd be very shocked to still see Jawar Jordan get the bulk of the carries. Obviously, Sean Tucker earned the the role of the every down back. But that doesn't mean that Jawar Jordan should be out of the offense. I'll be very disappointed if they don't find a way to use Jawar Jordan. Obviously, he wasn't uh, built to be playing an every down back, running the ball up the middle on first and 10 behind a poor offensive line. He's not that kind of guy. Um, they got to find a way to get him involved more because he's pretty electric they gotta get the ball in his hands and he's a very good dump off option for when Tommy only has a second and a half to release the ball before he gets hit so I think Jawar Jordan is very important to the offense but I'll be very surprised if Sean Tucker's not getting the bulk of the carries yeah I think that uh Jawar Jordan has to be the like Irv Phillips of this offense I think if we're expecting him to carry the ball 25 times a game we're in deep trouble I think our offense runs better when we have that strong uh, running back. Uh, Joe, I actually love uh, what you said last week. Running back that gets hit at the 20, goes down to the 25. I think that's perfect. That That's what we need. I think if Jordan is the future running back, then we're in trouble. I think he needs to be that that H-back, line up in the slot, catch the you know 10-yard slant, and hopefully break, you know, break, break it for 50, 60. I've made that Irv Phillips comparison before. I think, I think that's what we should yeah. – we'd be very happy if that's what he turns into. Yeah, and, and if our running backs are touching the ball 30, 40 times a game, I don't have a problem with that. So, I mean, maybe you just you hope that Jordan can be part of that two-headed beast, you know, and not necessarily a passing down back and and a, a, a first and second down back, but, you know, have some situations where they're both out there just to confuse the defense a little bit. Thunder and lightning. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't really know what the – expectations are for Marquenzie Pierre maybe he's more of a blocking back I just I just haven't seen him much he kind of didn't do anything with his opportunities I mean we saw him as the only other option Uh, behind Jawar Jordan to start the year and I think Sean Tucker may have put Marquenzie Pierre on special teams for the rest of the year I would like to see a mixture of all these guys because yeah Tucker had a good game last week it's one game it's against the Georgia Tech team it's not really known for its defense um, I would like to sprinkle it to uh, all three of those guys. I'd like to see some Cooper Lutz. You know, I'd like to spread the ball around, run some bubble screens, to get the ball in as many people's hands as possible. Because at this point in the season, we just we don't really know what we have at our skill positions. The and tight ends. Where are the tight ends? No, Joe, I, I was don't the understand. Same thing. Oh my god. Oh yeah. man, dude, I was thinking the exact same thing. So I was, yeah. Yeah. I just I just want to spread the ball around to everyone we can right now because. 
we just don't know. We don't really have an identity yet, and and we don't know who our star players are. And I want to figure that out sooner rather than later, so we can sort of establish you know where we're going. You know who who our studs are, and we might not have any studs, but it's better to know that for sure than to put your all your eggs in one basket in the beginning of the season, you know, week four, when you don't exactly know what you have yet. But I'm I'm I'm, like up, an- I'm, I'm, I'm confident that Dino's going to be ready for this game. He had the bye week to prepare. I don't think that he's going to take anything for granted. I don't think this is a gotcha game, although I've been wrong before. But I think that having a week to prepare for a game like this bodes well for, for Dino's preparation, first and foremost. I don't think this team is good enough to have any gotcha games. I mean, there shouldn't be a single game, not Liberty, not Georgia Tech, not Duke, that should come up and these guys should be confident, like, oh, yeah, we're just going to walk all over these guys. These guys should come in with the mindset that they have to fight and claw for every single win because I honestly believe they do. You know, as nice as the Georgia Tech game was, it wasn't exactly comfortable all the time. It, It wasn't a blowout. I would like to see a little bit more from these guys. I'm not worried that they'll lose because of it being a gotcha game. I'm worried that they could lose because I think that our talent is not where it's been in years past. So, I, I mean, that, that, that's my biggest fear is that Duke's defensive front gets to Tommy and all of a sudden we see Tommy from the first two games rather than what he looked like against Georgia Tech. And even then, I, I still want to see him improve upon that performance. I want to see something closer to a 70% completion percentage where he he looks comfortable in the pocket. He did not look as comfortable as I want a junior quarterback to be against Georgia Tech. So I'm, I'm hoping that game four will start to see that develop a little bit more. And what worries me, Kevin, is if there aren't any studs by game four, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, if they're there, especially in a, a season that doesn't have quite as many games as, as what would normally be so i i know i'm the the class skeptic and that's my role and i i plan on playing that well so i think we'll win but i don't i don't think that anyone should be confident about us winning any game this year oh what has happened to this we're going six and five i'm i'm standing by six and five but they're gonna have to Fight and claw for six and five, and they can't think that they're better than anybody, this, and they shouldn't think they're better than anybody after the first two games. This is a this is an NFL comparison, but they didn't know what they had in Odell Beckham until like week twelve of his rookie year. So I mean, it's not like a stud shows himself on the you know the first opportunity, particularly because in the first couple of games we didn't really move the ball much. We didn't get a lot of offensive opportunities. We, we didn't know games. who Sean Tucker was until week three. So, I mean, how do we know we don't have a, you know, a, a, a diamond in the rough somewhere that we could discover later on in the season? I mean, I, I'm an optimist when it comes to these things, but I feel like week seven and eight, we could still be, you know, finding new ways to, to create offense. And uh, my, my dearest dream is to run a bubble screen that doesn't make me want to you know, throw the remote through the, the <laughs> freaking window. Like, like if we could run a bubble screen effectively, we could do so much better at protecting Tommy and opening up the passing and running game. And just, it just kind of fundamentally changes your offense, but we just haven't done it yet. And then I just want to find a guy that can catch a ball out of the backfield. Part of the problem with that is using, usually you have to set up other parts of the offense to set up the bubble yeah. screen. It's yeah, difficult uh, to, 
use the bubble screen as kind of a, a primary way to set up other parts of the offense. I think that's what the Scott Schaefer teams tried to do a little bit too much, and that's why it failed so much. You know, and and yeah. you're right about Dino. I think Dino is going to continue to to innovate with this offense through weeks seven, eight, and even up to the very end of the weeks because he has that type of offensive mind. You're right. I shouldn't just say there aren't any studs, but I, I, those first two games are so depressing. We don't know of any studs on offense well, yet. Yeah. But why are we hoping right. for that? Speaking, that, speaking uh, of studs, okay, does anybody know any later information about Andre Sisko? He's I, I probably heard he has a lower body extremity injury. <laughs> And Dino He's, said he hadn't seen this type of injury in 39 years. I don't know if that means Dino has an injury. If I had to guess, um, he, it sounds it sounds like he's a game-time decision, but it's probably unlikely this week. Yeah, it's trending towards no. I heard rumors yeah. about him being out for the year. They were saying that uh, yeah. during the bye week, yeah. But the things I'm hearing now are a little more optimistic than that was. But who knows? Dino could just be saying that, so they have to – at at least pro- like Duke has to prepare for the idea of playing against Andre Cisco. But that brings the point of how well Hannah played against Georgia Tech. Hannah played well and Jihad Carter played well. And I was reading that the bye week gave them a lot of time to get more reps for the guys lower on the depth chart who might have to be playing more now. So I know it sucks losing our best player on defense, but the guys who stepped up to replace them played really well. And hopefully if it's necessary, they can do that again. Possible that he got hurt because this wide receiver Jimmy tapped him a little bit too hard, and that's why Dino All hasn't right. seen this ever. Colin, do you have something real to say? Yes, I do. I yes, really, I do. I think of where sitting here hoping for the, the King Arthur to pull the sword out of the stone. It, we're way, way, way past that. I think what we see is what we got. I think Tommy is a game manager, decent quarterback who can have a good game here and now, who probably would have been better playing in a Big East or a Mac school or something like that. But this is what we got. Um, but I think that this idea that we are lucky to win a, you know any game is preposterous. While we are good by no means, I think we're definitely lower third of the conference, we've faced two ranked teams in the first two games of the season. We were in both of those games going into the fourth quarter. We beat a Georgia Tech team pretty handily. I think if you're hoping for you know confidence watching a Syracuse game, I think you're sorely mistaken. You're never going to get that. Yeah. So, Colin, then we actually agree. I'm not saying that we will be lucky to win any games. I think that given the talent on this team, they should win games. I'm just saying that going into any given game, no matter who it's against, this team is not good enough to have the mindset that they should win. Well, no team should be good enough to have that mindset unless you're the, what, the, like, Warriors of two years ago or something like that, right? No team yeah. should be able to just walk into anyone. Anyone could be, um, who lost to freaking uh, Appalachian State? What, four West years Virginia. Ago? Yeah, right? 20 they, years ago? <laughs> yeah, listen, man, I will never forget that game. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I think that, I sitting here going into this Duke game, I'm you know scared that it's a slip up game as I said earlier. But I have confidence that we are not the 14th team in the ACC. Yeah. I think we're like 10th, but I don't think that we need to be scared of going to every. Yeah, we definitely need to see Tommy build on 
what he did last game as opposed to revert back to the jittery ball throw away or never completing any passes. And again, we've talked over and over again about how a lot of it is with the offensive line. A lot of it's on the receivers too, but um, we saw a lot of positives. We need to see those positives building to something bigger. Maybe he connects on a few more deep balls. I mean, he definitely needs to be a little more efficient and productive, but I think asking him to have a completion percentage close to 70% is a little unfair considering the school record is 67.7. That's Greg <laughs> Paulus. That's Greg Paulus. Our really? Year. Really, Joe? That's wow. the school? I, wow. I knew Paulus had the record, but, man, I guess I, I completely overestimated. because like, 70%, 70 puts you like elite. College. Yeah, it's like, like Dan Marino status, man. Yeah, and I'm gonna check off my bingo card now because you can't yeah, mention yeah. Syracuse versus Duke if you don't talk about Greg Paulus. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Good job. I have a question for you guys. Do you think that our offense in general and Tommy DeVito would be better served slowing down, not even trying to do this up tempo? If he just takes 35 seconds on the play clock every time, huddles walks up slowly, checks at the line, that we would be better off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the way you play Madden. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I mean, it's yeah. I, and I, I yeah, think I you're mean, slowly seeing that happen anyway. Right. I think <laughs> I think they're kind of slowing the offense down naturally because what they were trying to do isn't working. Right. I think it's kind of proving to be more of a gimmick than anything at this level because every other team you play is going to have athletes that can keep up with that kind of tempo. And you're not surprising anyone. You're not catching anyone off guard and you're not running anyone into the ground with the tempo of your offense. So if, if slowing it down helps him read the field better and makes the offense run a little more smoothly, it might feel faster because there's less dumpster fire failure plays and you're actually, you know, steadily moving the ball downfield. The problem is when, we have our offense functioning the way it is where there's a lot of three and outs, a lot of short drives. And then when you do score, when that's quick too, even when you're putting points on the board, the defense is always on the field. I'm very biased against the no huddle offense. I think it's not useful. I think the only bit about it that is useful is preparing your team to run a season in the no huddle so that your guys are in shape and they can run a flawless no huddle when there's two minute drill or, or whatever you need to do end the first half or end of the game. But, but I think that the way that the no huddle has been run for us this year, particularly and, and last year, horribly was just ineffective. And right. it was just like someone said, it is forcing it. Uh, I think you need to let your offense flow more naturally. And, you know, I, I don't know if we're a no huddle team. I'm glad we can do that, but I don't think we need to. Every and, and you saw it last or you know two weeks ago against Georgia Tech. They actually outsnapped us 85 to 64, I think it was, yeah. um, which is a move towards normalcy. I, I don't think that we were getting our juices flowing as quickly as we normally do because I think one, you need more playmakers to to make that effective. You need more guys that you can you know, run an end around or do some sort of razzle-dazzle kind of thing to throw the, the defense off balance. Uh, but we don't really have that right now, so I, I just don't see an advantage to, to running a no huddle for every single snap of the game. I mean, I don't think that it, it's a straight gimmick. I don't think we have the personnel for it this year. I don't think Tommy's the quarterback to, to try and run it. It worked 
to an extent with Dungy, you had other teams faking injuries to basically give their defense a breather. So I think with the right group, it can still work as a concept in the college game to an extent. It's never going to work against, you know, the the top tier programs just because of the amount of talent they have. But it should absolutely be a game changer on the plane that Syracuse plays on. They just don't have the personnel for it that year. And that's fine. And I, I don't have an issue with how they're using it this year. I mean, it's clearly not a priority to, to run up to the line of scrimmage and snap the ball, nor should it be. You have to have the personnel to do that. And I think Dan was making the right move of being a little bit more careful about it. Well, I mean, he's being a little bit more careful, but he's not going away from it completely. I think my my question is, would you rather see, slash do you think it'd be more helpful to have Dino and our offense just completely change their identity? Or do you think that it would be better served getting a different person in here who has a different identity? And I preface that by saying that I think Dino's a great coach. I'm just proposing the question. Yeah, I, I don't think you have to necessarily abandon your identity to adapt your offense to the players that you have. And sometimes it feels like Syracuse is trying to push a square peg through a round hole. Right, exactly. Yeah. With of just blanketly trying to apply the system that they're used to to the roster that they have. And obviously Dino's been trying to recruit players that fit his system and he's had varying levels of, of success with that. You got some good players that really fit in. Other times it feels like we don't. But the best coaches in sports change with the rosters that they have. That's why you see the New England Patriots never look the same year after year. They always have coaches, no matter who they are. Anyone coming out of the Belichick tree has systems that can adapt to the players that they have. If you look at what Josh McDaniels is doing this year with Cam Newton, he's not trying to cram the Tom Brady offense onto that offense they have now. It's totally different. And before Cam had COVID, they were looking pretty good overall, at least on offense. Well, I wouldn't tout the Belichick coaching tree too much. I think there's um, a certain football team in Detroit that would argue that the Belichick coaching tree is not having great amounts of success. I didn't talk about success. I was talking about that they adapt their systems to the players that they have. I, th I think you're absolutely right when you limit that to New England and only New England without getting into how the coaching tree is doing. I think that in, in Colin, to your question about getting someone else in there, I don't think it would make any sense to abandon the identity. And e even if it's just kind of a, a, a faux hurry up offense it still leaves open the door of going back to that once you have the personnel i i would like to see certain skill positions have more skill at some juncture and if we had that i think Dino would use that offense a bit more but i don't have a problem with how they're doing it now where it leaves the door open to getting back to that eventually without forcing it right now see i still think that we're going too fast personally right now I would like to have five healthy offensive linemen before we start expecting them to be able to keep up with a high-tempo offense. If we can have yeah. five good offensive linemen who can stay healthy, then by all means. But so far, we're still, you know, we've been patchworking our offensive line for two years. We're still playing a fullback at guard. Who, and he's probably the best I, one so far. That's what I'm saying. Listen, man, God bless him. He is, I mean, one hell of an athlete. But we don't even have a man. We have a fullback playing guard. Come on. And he's outplaying the guys who have been it's starters. For, he's outplaying 
But the left tackle's service, who's been there for years, he's playing like garbage. And who's our center who's playing like crap, too? Carlos Vettorella, who also yeah. was pretty good last year. That's what I'm saying. Trash. Yep. I think uh, there are two things about the, the hurry-up that really get you when you're in a situation like we are. It exacerbates injuries. When you have injuries the way that we do and we have fullbacks playing left guard – you just you just don't run an offense as efficiently out of the no huddle. You just you just don't. It's frustrating to watch, and and you get a lot of bad penalties, and it's just it's just not good. And the other thing is it, it just keeps your defense on the field forever, and you guys get tired, and it makes you, you're putting more pressure on your defense to to win the game. And I feel like and you're that, already leaning on them to have any that's, chance. That's, that's in kind of game. what we've been like this year. You know, I, I just feel like we've been throwing it on the defense. Defense has been doing an admirable job for the most part. At, at More than admirable. Too many points on the board. And, you know, to their credit, they've, they've taken the ball away a good amount. So that gives us the off, the offense a little bit more. I, I just really – I just don't see a overwhelming reason to, to keep at it with the no huddle, especially because we're one and two. We went five and four and – did we go four and eight last year? Like, I just – Yeah. I just, I just don't – I don't see it as being effective right now. And I think we might want to – Take a step back from it. Maybe not, you know, abandon it completely, but at least, um, you know, tailor it to to a point where we're not exacerbating already existing problems. I think part of it has to do with branding. I think we're calling ourselves, you know, orange is the new fast, orange is the new fast, right? And I think that I don't want to cross sports um, and I don't want to uh, equate it because, you know, don't do it. One has, you know, 1,000 wins and one has, what, 100 wins. But I feel this is almost somewhat like the absolute we will never move out of the 2-3 zone no matter what happens regardless. And I agree it's not nearly to that extreme. But at some point, you have to be willing to move on from what you have branded your system as. Well, what I want to do, and uh, you you cross sports so I can too. Uh, What I want to do is I want to take the quote that Joe made just like two minutes ago about adapting your strategy to the players that you have. And I want to blow it up into the largest billboard that, that FedEx <laughs> will sell me. And I want to put it right in Chip Kelly's front yard and then just stand next to it with my middle finger up for a solid week. You were making a reference that I think, like, I mean, everyone would, in Philadelphia will understand. <laughs> it would just make my life much more worthwhile if I were able to. I don't think you can blame Chip Kelly for Carson Wentz not being a good quarterback anymore. Oh, I think that is they ran Demarco Murray out of the out of the out of the uh, the shotgun. Like you don't run Demarco Murray out of the shotgun. I don't know what you're smoking, but you clearly didn't see Monday Night Football, Brett, because we actually beat the reigning NFC champions. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but uh, Carson Wentz actually played a really good game with. No receivers. The best receiver on that team is Greg Ward, who was on the freaking practice squad not six weeks ago. Greg Ward Jr., absolutely. The highest mover in fantasy football last week. Yeah, I, I just I, I want I wanna someone want, I want someone to shake Howie Roseman and be like, dude, you need to get us some talent at receiver because it's it's really hurting. Predictions for Saturday, what do you guys got? How do you mm-hmm. see it? Uh thirty one thirteen Qs. I'll go 24-10, Syracuse. I'll go 30-14, to 14. us. I, I had 27-17.
So we're all roughly, I think we're all kind of seeing the same sort of game developing here. Somebody's got to go back and no. you know, check the tape and figure out how close we've all been with our guesses to this. Point. What I'd love to see is just like, uh, you know, 45 to 10, where like the offense just rolls and then takes the foot off the gas at the right time, lets Rex Culpepper play a little bit. But this is what, that's what I'd like week. to see. That's just, I'm just saying, that'd, that'd be nice to finally just get a nice relaxing game. I think there is a chance that this game is over in the first quarter. I think there is a chance. Possible. Yeah. I, I agree yeah. it's possible. I agree that you know we could be biting our nails right to the very end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As, as a Bills fan, I don't think games can end in the fourth quarter. I have to wait till the till the garbage third quarter happens, and I see my hairline receding before my very eyes. <laughs> well, you can see it receding during the we third can, quarter we can of all the Bills see game. It yes. <laughs> it's like. It's like another dimension of uh, understanding your own hairline. I think that's the most adult thing I've ever heard you say, Brett. <laughs> wow. I mean, it depends on how you define adult. I've said many adult things. Oh, oh boy. Oh, man. <laughs> I, did that, man. I, I am the rookie here. I'm the guest. And I keep on trying to pull us back into real conversation. And you just keep pulling us down into into potty humor. That's usually how we know we're done when Brett keeps pulling us into the gutter. It's usually time to stop. <laughs> I, I was going to tout something that made me happy this week, which for a change was, a, which was Twitter. And they just absolutely ripped apart Gary Danielson in the Alabama game for Texas A&M getting a, an interception and they'll run it back 45 yards and they, 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 you know, get tackled on the 17 yard line. And then he'd be like, that's a great tackle by Najee Harris. Or whoever the the freaking uh, Alabama player was, and and Twitter was just ripping him apart the entire night for being extremely pro Alabama, which I I can I can appreciate. Twitter's good for. Now that we all have smiles on our faces over the benefits of Twitter, I think it's time for us to call it an evening. If you have the 1990 Syracuse Lacrosse Championship trophy, please tweet at us or Facebook message us if that's your thing. We want to know the trophy is safe and let us know how you're doing too. Let us know that you're doing well. For Joe Shell, Kevin O'Keefe, Colin Lerner, I'm Brett Fortnum. We hope to be back next week.